0: Hey Twitter world, this is yours truly. Now coming soon to Twitter, you'll get to read all my thoughts and opinions on just about everything. Now there's a lot of fake OJ accounts out there. So this one at the real OJ32 is the only official one. So this should be a lot of fun. I got a little getting even to do. And then I get home and I'm watching uh, politics. And I see where this one party pushed a measure to the floor that they knew they couldn't pass that would make them look divided which they did the other party looked like a team like they were totally together they all voted the same way maybe whoever pushed this is a double agent I don't know what's going on America (laughs) take care
1: a down and out OJ Simpson depressed that all of his money-making ideas have failed has decided to go back to doing what he does best, killing people. What the hell is that?
2: What would you say you do
1: here?
3: It's Stone's Weekly Dose.
2: Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you.
1: Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an
2: amazing guy.
3: It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Uh, note to don't
2: change Ah, note yourself, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. How in the hell are you on the final day of July 2019? It is the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. In weekly installments, this would be the Weekly Dose. For July 31st, 2019, as I always say, time flies. It ain't got a thing to do with whether you're having any fun or
3: not.
2: I uh, absolutely love the front end (laughs) there. I've been sitting on that one for a couple of weeks. More on that in just a sec. (sighs) Appreciate you finding the show at Stone on Air on all social media is how you can get a hold of me. It is just the uh, weekly installment of my commentary on the passing parade that is life. I could see how that could entertain some kind of. I could see how it would irritate people totally, and I could see how it could pour the hell out of you. So for whatever reason that you're here, I absolutely positively appreciate it beyond belief. Had to take last week off. the uh, The day job, as I mentioned, if you're here every week, you already know. But uh, the day job wrapped uh, or, or consumed me for the entire week, and it was as bad as I as I might have just kind of, if I didn't say, or just implied at, or whatever. It was awful. <laughs> It was crappy, but, 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 but this is a very, very good gig that I have a very good job, very good uh, employees that I work with, very coworkers, I guess I should say very good management all the way around. I love it. Love it. Love it. It is my livelihood. So I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize that employment. And I'm going to spend portions of this first segment being so vague. It's going to drive most of you crazy. And it has to do with what I just got done talking about. So I'll get back to that here in a minute. The front end there. So I stumbled on OJ Simpson's Twitter account not long ago. And um, he's just posting videos every couple of days. That guy's a real piece of work, you know? Isn't it, isn't it wild? I mean, in the world we live in now, OJ's not really any kind of controversial figure anymore. Um, nobody can remember 25 minutes ago, let alone 25 years ago um, but that guy <laughs> there is something uh, there's something about it it's just it's just the old you know the old saying of man that guy is a piece of work So um, I played that today more specifically because I've started a Twitter purge over the last uh, day and a half or so. I wiped out 400 follows that I have. And I've just gotten haphazard over the years and Twitter is just not the social media that I hoped that it would end up being. I still love it. I still want to love it. I still spend most of my social media time there, but most people don't. And it has become its own version of an internet wasteland that I've called Facebook for so many years and part of that has to do with our asshole president and and all the other, you know, asshole people all over the world and and whoever you let pollute your feed and I and I let that happen. I let too many People into my feed. It cluttered it, it littered it, it made it uh, not fun. So I went on a first round of purges, got rid of about 400. I'm down to around a little under 900 follows now. And I think I'd feel better if I got that closer to 500. So I might have a round two. But I'm going to have to do that with Instagram here too. I don't know what you guys are feeling like about social media, but I mean, Facebook is an internet wasteland. And while it's still powerful, because it appeals to dullards, uh, and most of the world walking around is dullards, it's just it does nothing for me. I don't get anything out of Facebook of any kind of uh, real usable information. Uh, nothing. I'm, I you know I monitor it every day. I post a show. I post some thoughts every now and again. But the one I was starting to to start to like a little bit more is Instagram with the stories. So they kind of took the Snapchat a feature of the stories and added it to more than just like a, you know, a virtual scrapbook. But I'm finding that to be really littered and cluttered with a lot of ads, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, BS ads, a lot of uh, garbage that people are trying to sell from China and, and uh, misleading ads. I'm finding that on Facebook as well as obviously I know that Facebook and Instagram are the, uh, the same entity, but I'm gonna have to make my next purge into, uh, Instagram. I'm finding myself less inclined to take a scroll through, uh, through Instagram. So I don't know when's the next big thing, right? When's the next, when's the next big social media app? The next thing that, that grabs all of, of our attention because I'm ready for it. I'm I'm ready for it. I've been tired of Snapchat for a long time. It still serves its little purpose. It's just stuff you don't want anybody to see, you know, anything incriminating, Uh, That's what makes, it's always made Snapchat uh, an attractive social media to all uh, ages, but certainly the young people. Anyway, all right, so there's that. Let's see, what are we doing today? Let's get to that right now. Three-segment show. Final segment of the show, I am going to talk about um, uh, Trump a little bit. Well, not Trump a little bit, Trump a lot. But really, an overall reoccurring theme today is going to be that words matter. What you say, what you put out there on a platform for the world to read, words matter. And I get that at times we can just be like, you know, sticks and stones, break bones, but words will never hurt me. Words can hurt you. Words can, are important narrative and approach and uh, motivation, more importantly, is, uh, is very, very, very can potentially dangerous or inspiring or amazing, right? It's not all a negative thing. Words matter. And I think that's going to come up in every segment of this show. So that'll be more focused on Trump in the third segment of the show. The second segment of the show is going to be the uh, look back at Woodstock 99. It's been 20 years last week. Of course, I was off last week, so I didn't do it last week. So I'm going to do it today. It was late July. 1999 that the Disaster that was Woodstock 99 took place I was there If you're here regularly you already know this And you might be thinking oh geez Brian you can do another Segment on this I know I've done a few Over the years it is a fascinating Time of my life uh, Just anecdotally and it's a fascinating Well 1999 was a fascinating Time for a lot of people And it is one of my Favorite things in my life to say that I Have done because of how How I don't want to say important. Let's just say significant. Just how significant that disastrous situation was, I, uh, I really am happy that that's something that I got to experience in my life. So I'm going to go in a different dire- direction than I've done in the past, I hope. I, you know If you need to check out because you feel like you're hearing the same show over and over again, that's fine. But I've got some audio from some of the bands that were playing, some of the things that we're saying, an article from a guy uh, from Rolling Stone who covered it back in 99, who wrote this article last week. I am going to stretch out and spend some time on that. Hopefully, you'll find it interesting. I can't. I can't get enough of reminiscing and looking back at the uh, disastrous Woodstock 1999 festival. And with it being 20 years away, I'm going to spend some time on that and uh, a little soccer and um, the most vague, <laughs> the most vague segment you've ever heard is going to start. Uh, let's go ahead and do that right now. Okay, so. I understand that in the industry of broadcasting, any kind of what you would consider show business, and I'm not trying to make this a bigger thing than it is, you're right. I'm not trying to be like, hey, I'm in the show business, whatever. Um, But I understand that opinions at times can shape the way people feel about you, the way they think about you. And I'm totally okay with that. What I like to think that I am not a real. Smart person, I'm not. I'm I'm a woefully undereducated person. Uh, I'm not the best looking person. I don't have uh, I, I don't have great health or wellness. Um, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I'm an insomniac who uh, cures or treats his insomnia, not cures by any means. Treats the insomnia with more alcohol consumption. I um, I do better at times with diet, but overall it's not very good. Uh, I'm wrong all the time. I am a, I'm a very, 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 very flawed human being. absolutely. but I do think I I approach life in an interesting way and I um, I I don't hold back because I think that is what the allure is out there at times. I think people are interested in some of the things I do. I'm not talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands and crazy amounts of people, but a pocket of people in a certain area of the country, enjoy at times listening to what I think about things and there are people all over the country that I my day is not complete until I've heard what they think about it because it helps with my perspective and I kind of I like to think that that's the same kind of thing here but rarely 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 do I personally attack anybody who hasn't done something warranted Warranted being attacked for, like, okay, yeah, Tim Boyd. I attacked him because he attacked Kathy Lennon two weeks ago. And that kind of stuff is the things that I, I look out for and I think is interesting commentary here in the city of Chattanooga. But I very, very rarely, just because I don't like somebody, you know, pu- publicly attack them or call them out. I just don't usually do that. If I'm wrong, point me in the direction that you you think I'm being hypocritical about, and I'll go back and take a look at it. Now, if you're, if you're certain people who I, I don't like the way you run business, I don't like the way you politic, I don't like the way that you uh, you treat others, well, then, yeah, then I talk about that. So there are institutions that do things, entities that do things as a whole as an overall operating company or, or an operating entity that I at times will completely question. All the time, and I'll, and and the flip side of that is when I see something done well, I give it the praise too. But I don't call people out just because I think it's funny or I'm trying to get a rise out of people. I'm again, I'm sorry. This is so vague; it's going to be infuriating to to you as a listener. And I, I'm just going to say, if you want to reach, if you're a friend of mine, certainly reach out to me. Even if you're just a listener who I might have just met, acquaintance, or somebody I've never met in my life. If you want to seek me out through social media, you know how to find me. I will give you at least a basic idea of what this is about, but I can't talk about it out loud because it's for the first time, really almost ever, I'm having, um, I'm having, uh, I'm having my good life infringed on because of my opinions, dead serious. And I've got to, I have to respect and appreciate that. And I know you want to know what it's about, and if you're here regularly, I'm just going to tell you right now, if it's the first thing that came to your head, that's kind of an annual thing that I do, you'll be guessing correctly. So I'm in a really in, uh, important portion of my life. I guess all of our lives at any point should be very important uh, timeframes, but I got a lot going on, and I can't screw around and mess up the my good life right now, so I'm going to just kind of chill from that. But I know this is so frustrating. I'm so sorry. But here's how I treat people. And then I'll move on and talk a little soccer, and then we'll get to Woodstock 99. There's three levels. If you go out of your way to make things easy for me, if you try to simplify my life in any capacity, whether it's at work, whether it's in a social setting, uh, no matter what it is, I will I will give you that exact same return. It's basically what you give to me is what you get from me, and I am very consistent with this. And at times, I could I imagine I might even try. I don't know if I do it, but I think I bet there's times where I try to even do it better because make simplifying life is something I'm a big fan of. Right. So if you try to do that for me, I it doesn't go unnoticed. It doesn't go unappreciated. I don't take for granted the fact that somebody just went out of their way to help me out. That's a big thing in my life. Now, in the middle, if you are, you know, just a little lazy approach, and I'll give you a little throwaway days every now and again, but if your overall kind of thing is lazy approach, not really motivated to try to get things done, hoping something gets done for you rather than you do something, uh, playing dumb, those kinds of things, well, you're going to get that exactly back for me. I especially if I'm in a situation where I understand my surroundings well. I'll play as dumb as you want, brother. I can't, I don't have to leave. I'm just talking in a work setting. I gotta be here till so-and-so time anyway. We can sit here all day long for all I care, bro. So I'll give you that as well. I can I can play right along with that. And then there's the bottom rung of people who purposely go out of their way to mess up your good life, whether it be in a work setting or a social setting, any setting. These all apply everywhere you're at. No matter what the structure is, what the what the power structure is, and if you go out of your way to try to screw around with me, just because, if, especially if it's just because you don't like my opinion, or if you're you're just trying to make my life more difficult, I will, I will meet you there, and double down worse. I usually forgive, sometimes I don't. Usually, probably do, but I promise you, I never forget. I never ever forget. So I will make this a really bad time for you if that's what you're trying to do to me and we'll go to war. I'm fine with that. I don't care. So I'm a very easy person to get along with as long as you are too. If you are too, we're going to we're going to sing and dance in harmony, man, and woman, well, we're going <laughs> to this is going to be great. We're going to work we're going to get some stuff done. But if your goal is to 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 mess with me, I will never ever forget about it, and um, that's just a rule of life that a guideline, maybe more like a guideline, I have, and that's just kind of what I'm where I'm at on this. And um, I wish I could tell you more, but I can't, and I can't even hint at it anymore without without being a little too combative. Um, even though the people who care about this, they're not listening. They're not listening. That's that's the thing too. People, you'll know, come to me regularly. Hey, hey, somebody said this. Or heard, back to the you know what I heard thing. You know the I don't care what you what you heard. I care what you know. Most people don't know what they're talking about. Hey yo, uh, so what I heard you did like blub 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 blub. I didn't do any of those things. Who told you that? Or better yet, why are you regurgitating that crap to me? And that's another one of these situations. If if, if anybody who was who's irritated about this situation would have sat down for a minute. And actually listened, then they know they might not still be happy, right? They might not like it. They might still think I'm a jerk because of my opinion. I don't care about that. I'm sorry. I'm not here to try to make new friends. I, I'll take new friends if I can get them, but I got plenty of friends. I'm not trying to like add to my friends list, right? To like my 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 real life figurative friends list. I don't. I'm not trying to run them off either. But uh, anyway, all right. Enough. Enough of that. Um, Get a hold of me. I'll tell you more about it, or we can just let it drop and just move along. All right. Let's see. So I, I, I'm confused with the soccer community here. Um, the soccer wars, one of the biggest stories in a power struggle in the city of Chattanooga in the century. This century, for sure, with the Red Wolves coming, and we've gone over this a whole bunch. And then the um, then the reaction from Tim Kelly and his and and his crew and his camp and his. Uh, his posse, if you will, uh, and their response was just brilliant, first of all. The way the the, the CFC overall management uh, replied or reacted to the Red Wolves coming in, I believe is a stroke of just pure genius. Pure genius. The, the whole selling the team to the community, um, additions to the stadium, just the, the social media push. The, um, everything about it was really, really good. I think the Red Wolves are as insignificant of a of a brand in this town as you're ever going to see. I, I I don't think they'll be around five years from now. might not be around three years from now. The stadium they're going to build out here in East Ridge where I live, which I'm happy there's going to be investment in the area, but I think that stadium's going to be a, just a, a, just a, a heavy-grade aluminum foil stands, something that can be torn down and make it a green space in five seconds. It's going to be more res, uh, uh, commercial, maybe residential, uh, mixed-use, development this guy who owns a team bob whatever his name is is in real estate that's what he does he develops uh, real estate and then he he sells it all off and makes his money and then splits right so uh, that's what i think the future of that is and if it doesn't if i'm wrong and it works and it gets big crowds and fine I, I just don't really care um but i do care about the cfc and i haven't been to a game i've been to one game this year it's just because my life's gotten busier but then What I don't understand and I don't know now because I haven't kept up enough is that the NPSL Pro League that Tim, I think, Tim Kelly was the one who started the talks of this and then moved it around the league is folded. Like, that's not going to be a thing now. Um, The uh, Founders Cup was supposed to start here very, very soon. Uh, NPSL Founders Cup scratched. Miami FC moves to NISA. This is from Soccer Daily to, excuse me, Soccer America Daily. Less than three weeks before its launch, the National Premier Soccer League dropped plans for the Founders Cup, which was initially slated to have 11 teams, and will move forward with the NPSL Members Cup with six teams. And this is starting any t- any time now. The latest defection was reigning NPSL champion Miami FC, which has advanced to the semifinals in the 2019 playoffs. NISA announced that Miami will be joining the league for their 2019 launch. So another professional, quote-unquote, I mean, if you're getting paid, it's professional league, meaning just lower-level soccer in this country has so many leagues that are calling themselves pro leagues. Um, Again, if you're paying your players, then you're a pro league. Uh, That's pretty much just a lot of jargon I don't quite understand. This is from another source I ripped off online. Um, with MPSL Pro Dreams dashed, it is time for NISA and MPSL to partner on a system that puts clubs over leagues. Ultimately, the Founders Cup was undone by something seemingly mundane: insurance. After struggling to find a way to make sanctioning as part of the NPSL work, the Founders Cup sought sanctioning independently. It goes on in a, in a lot of boring paragraphs to explain how that didn't work. You've got to be sanctioned by United States Soccer Federation, whatever that uh, those exact uh, that wording is. I'm not sure. And in the end, because the USL three D three or whatever it is, USL that the Red Wolves are in, and they bought the rights to this area, because that happened, everybody at CFC felt like they absolutely, positively had to move to some kind of pro league to legitimize what they're doing. And I don't blame them for thinking that. But I also don't think it's necessary. I, it's a branding thing here in Chattanooga. That the CFC brand is strong and it's going to last as long as it's marketed correctly. There's nobody standing in those stay those stands swilling beer with a bunch of uh, noisemakers in their hands, or no family that shows up to Finley Stadium, which is one of the the best facilities in the southeast for what it. What it serves as for what it provides for. There's no family sitting there. There's no. Uh, there's no random. Just hey, I'm going to go see what the soccer thing's all about. None of these people care what level of 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 competition this is. They just really don't. It's it's a very high level of competition because you can see it with your own eyes, and the team wins, and they're the best in this in this region at least. That's all that matters. I would not spend a whole lot of time concerning themselves which league they are or not in. They should continue to try to push for a great brand, great marketing, and uh, a fantastic facilities uh, with a, a an over a ten year old run here. Uh, at, so heritage, as far as soccer is concerned, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and just go with that. MLS, European blah blah. Who cares? Who who cares? I am telling you, I think very very few people do. So I say cfc tim kelly all the board members uh, sheldon grizzle everybody involved don't focus on the semantics and the specifics as far as uh, levels are concerned because nobody in america certainly not in this city understands what the level of soccer even means don't worry about that just put an incredible product at a great facility with great marketing and smart minds behind it and just keep it going that's all i got on that All right, let's see. Um, Reliving Woodstock 99, coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo.
4: This uh, next song that I'm going to play is um, about one of these pop festivals that they've been having around the world lately. Um, It's one that I didn't really get to go to. Um, I'd been playing the night before in Chicago with a, a band. friends of mine, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it was their first professional appearance, and we were all kind of excited about it. And the next night, we were supposed to all play in Woodstock, and I had to do a TV show the next day, so I kind of got left behind because they were having problems getting people in and getting them back out again and everything. So I stayed home in New York, and I watched it on television all day <laughs> and saw everybody there playing and singing and... It was really a nice festival, I guess, and from the looks of everything. And Well, I wrote a little song for my friends to sing, and, and uh, for myself to sing as well, and it's called Woodstock.
1: At the Woodstock 99 concert in central New York, what was supposed to be three days of peace, love, and music ended in a night of looting and arson.
2: Crowds are blowing up CO2 tanks from the tractor trailers. They got the troops in there with riot gear. They're forcing everybody out. Mass chaos. Mass chaos. But the fire department's going to have to come in with a fire truck
3: to put the fire out. Everybody can come on raise Probably like a $20 fucking value box up on How much did you pay for them? Free. three. Poster, look Time. at that. <laughs> <get back here. laughs>
4: By the time we got to Woodstock we were half a million strong and everywhere there was song in a cellar
2: Everywhere there was song and a celebration I just realized the other day
4: I saw the bombers
2: as I put this together.
4: Shotgun in the sky and they in to
2: I've never heard Joni Mitchell's version of Woodstock until this week. Which is a damn shame. Shame on me. Shame on me. Golden, and we got to get back to the garden. Caught in the, bargain, and we got Caught in the devil's bargain, and we got to get back to the garden. Yeah, never never once have I heard that uh, version from her, and I have always been in love with the Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young version from 1969's Deja Vu, one of the greatest records ever put together. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I know I uh, mentioned earlier I've done... Woodstock shows before I know when I got the Spin magazine that had my letter to the editor for a Christmas present from a friend of mine who was with me at the festival 20 years ago. I did a show on Woodstock. I know when Woodstock 50 announced their lineup. I did a show on Woodstock 99. I've done them on the radio years ago. I've uh, told a story about how when I realized I wanted to be on the radio for the rest of my life or that's what I that was my calling, that was my meaning. To, to my existence was when I talked to Jeff Styles on Talk Radio 102.3 in August of 1999 um, about the festival that I had just come back from. That was that moment, the light bulb in my head after I talked on the radio, on the phone to a radio station about being at a festival in uh, upstate New York. So it's a, it's a very, very... Uh, meaningful thing in my life. It's a very it's, it's it's something I have very very fond memories of because when I was young and you know a child, a kid, 19, 20, 21 years old, I didn't know any better. And when you don't have social media and mass communication like we have now, um you don't necessarily even know what's going on around you. I didn't know there were riots and fires to that degree until I got home the next night. So we left Sunday of that festival uh, on that uh, July, whatever I think it was, 23rd, 24th, 25th, or whatever those three days were, we left Sunday night, traveled throughout the night, might have made a stop, I can't remember, and then we were back in uh, maybe Murfreesboro at that time uh, on Monday night. That's when I read about all the, the the rioting on that Sunday, and I mean I don't even remember if my mom, you know, how I I need to ask her. Does she even remember? Was she scared? Was she reading? The newspapers, or was she watching the nightly news and seeing riot gear, cops, and fire trucks, and uh, and and all kinds of uh, burning fires and looting, and and the the sexual assault charges and and the dangerous situation? I, I don't remember. I I've, I need to talk to her about that and see what her recollection is. Because um, I mean, at nineteen years old, I wouldn't have cared either way. But um, it was an incredible weekend to say you were involved in. And it was a, one of the biggest disasters ever put together in the, in the last 25 years of the 20th century anyway. I mean, I guess Altamont back in the day in California where the Hells Angels were stabbing people, or the Rolling Stones were playing. I guess that was different or worse, I should say. But what I, I cannot for the life of me understand how more people or how nobody died at Woodstock 99. Nobody died. Um, but i've spent this past weekend watching a bunch of videos from the uh, from the festival you can watch virtually all of them it was it was broadcast live on pay per view you could watch it you could pay for it it's probably like 50 bucks at the time hell it might have been 100 i don't know and so it's professionally shot all the main stage acts and they're all on youtube now and even though they're 20 years old they're still pretty good quality and i spent one late night rabbit holing woodstock videos and I started watching the ones um, that I was at to try to get try to trigger, you know, shake up my memory bank and try to remember those shows. Cause a lot of the weekend I just don't remember. You know, 20 years of alcohol and drug abuse has zapped a lot of my brain cells, and I can't remember all that well. But on Friday, so we get there on a Thursday night, on Friday, everybody just like Bonnaroo, just like anywhere you go, everybody's fresh, everybody's excited and you're on this big, uh, this old military uh, Air Force base that's just a a sea of concrete and no shrubbery and no uh, 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 trees for the most part, mile and a half between the the two main stages on a blacktop that's just sweltering in the 100-degree July heat in upstate New York. But on that Friday, everybody is feeling pretty good. Everybody's feeling really good. And I don't really remember what we did during the day, but we went and saw uh, Offspring first as the as sun set, then Bush, and then Corn. At the time, all three were massive acts. The, to the this day, I still like Bush. Offspring has a few songs, but overall, I grew tired of that act a long time ago, and I've never been into Corn, But at that time, they were monsters of rock. And so that was a big first night. And it wasn't that angry yet. Most people weren't angry. And nobody walked around that Friday. We, I, I, the little I can remember was euphoria of how, f- look at this. I'm 19. I'm five states away from home, seven, eight states away from home. I mean, I, this is amazing. This is what life is all about. And on that first day, I think I remember wearing jeans because I, I, I think I took it easy during the day. And then we, I got uh, dressed to go to see the Offspring Bush and Corn Show. And so I originally started this where I was going to play some audio that I found from those shows as I was watching on YouTube, but then by the time Saturday rolled around, everything was different. Everything had changed. All the vibe was off. Very few people that you saw just in, in quickly uh, close proximity to you were looking like they were having a good time. The sun was blistering Saturday afternoon. I don't even know what I don't even know what I saw on Saturday. That was a bad bad day um, the the concession prices were astronomically out of this world high four dollar waters you can get a, a water in most high-end high dollar festivals or concerts arenas or any kind of venues for around about three bucks these days sometimes it might be four if you got a super chill cool place it might be two and then oftentimes smaller venues are it's always free four dollars. In 1999, I am just I'm making this up, but the inflation in my head makes me feel like that's more like ten. Ten dollars is what that felt like then. Four bucks in 1999 for a freaking water when it's a hundred degrees out and all the facilities, water available, bathrooms, rest areas, shade were almost not available. I mean, this is th- this festival was bordering on criminal. It was so bad, and I'm going to make a case for it in a couple minutes that it absolutely was criminal. I remember thinking, I don't have too many $4 left. We're 19 years old. We barely work. You think we've got money to be spending 4 bucks on a water every time we're thirsty, which is, oh, I don't know, every five minutes with no shade and 100-degree sweltering heat in July? Man, and that's the reason that, too, just popped in my head. That's the reason they moved Woodstock 99, to, uh, to, to July because it's, uh, it, it's on record as the driest month of the year. The first two were in August, the middle of August, which is a much wetter time of year up in New York. So they moved it to July, which is also not only the driest, also the hottest. So I'm going to read this uh, article from uh, this uh, op-ed from um, a guy who covered Woodstock 20 years ago that was from Rolling Stone just a couple of days ago. Brian Hyatt is his name. I'll do that, but first I'm gonna play the audio because I love playing around with audio. So here we go. I've got three here from Dexter Holland, lead singer of The Offspring, the show we were at. Bush uh, and Gavin Rosdell. I've got one from that. I got one clip from Corn, and then I'll close it out with Limp Biscuit and that ass hat that is Fred Durst and the disaster that that was Friday afternoon into the evening that set up. Uh, just arson and uh, uh, assaults and 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 vandalism and danger. It all started on that Saturday afternoon, and I'll get to that here in a minute. So first, we'll start with Dexter. This is a uh, Dexter from uh, the Offspring, I should say. This is this is one of the cooler moments at the time. You look at it now; it's kind of gross, but there was no like cleanup crew. Everybody just threw their garbage all over the place. Not not only was the place gross in so many other ways, there was garbage everywhere. And halfway through the show everybody's just throwing plastic and and whatever cans and garbage in the air it's a sea it's a showering of garbage I remember us picking them up and throwing them too we were feeling great it was the evening on that Friday and uh, this is you uh, you'll, you'll kind of hear you have to listen close it almost sounds like like some tapping of rain amongst the uh, amongst the crowd
3: hey hello we're the offspring
2: Right there, you can kind of hear it.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: God damn it! I'm (laughs) having fun. (laughs) So the mic cut off right there. He said.
3: But I can tell now they know how to have a good time. You know what I'm saying?
2: He saying fifty saying uh, 50,000 to 500,000. Uh, is what he heard was there. So this is where he starts to jokingly talk about the unruliness. I mean, when you're watching this, I I, I just uh, would suggest that you go watch some of these videos and just see. I mean, Bonru is this tiny little thing as far as the, uh, the, the, the size of the property as to this Air Force base and how many people out there. It's staggering. I mean, there was quite, I, I'm pretty sure estimates are one thing, but I, I think there was a couple hundred thousand plus easily and this was on the first night when everybody was feeling great. Dexter Holland from Offspring continues kind of joking about how everybody's uh, unruly.
3: Thanks a lot. Noodles, would you look at all the people out here?
2: Noodles is their guitar player. All players. these
3: goddamn kids being drunk and unruly and causing general mayhem. I gotta know, are you guys proud of yourselves?
2: And then it goes into that god awful pretty fly for a white guy song. This and this is also about the time I was done with offspring. Uh, that that late 90s offspring was pretty crappy. But so this is when later on you can kind of see it on his face while you're watching the video. And this is the sunset show. So it starts in daylight and it ends at dusk. And you can tell a, a couple times when he's playing, he's getting hit by plastic bottles and garbage. He's not mad about it or anything. But you can tell a little bit later on, he's got a little bit of concern in his face. More than just, you know, happy-go-lucky, we're just screwing around punk band on the stage. He doesn't really voice it real uh, genuinely. I mean, he does kind of. You know, I'll let you hear it. But you can tell on his face, hold on, it's it might be a little out of control out here.
3: All right, thanks a lot. Hey, are you guys having a good time? All right. God damn it, I'm having a good time. You having a good time, Noodles? I'm having a great time. Yeah. But you know what? I was noticing something I got to call your guys' attention to here for just a second. I've been noticing that there's a lot of girls coming over the top here, crowd surfing, and they're getting really groped, you know what I mean? Now I think, just because a girl wants to go crowd surfing or whatever, that doesn't give the guys the right to molest them, you know what I'm saying? So if you're a guy and you see a girl passing overhead, give her a break, alright? You know what I'm saying? And if you're a girl and you see a guy passing overhead, I want you to grab his fucking balls!
2: and then into self-esteem. So, you know, at least he acknowledged it, and that was just the start. Of how that was really becoming prevalent. Not to me when I was there, I couldn't tell from an on-the-ground view. I'll talk more about that here in a minute. Just another example. There's nothing much to this. It's just a, it was such a fun show. Right after the offspring was Bush, we stuck around. Uh, this was a, a trifecta of shows we saw that weekend, and just night one was different. Night one was exciting. Everybody was full of anticipation. Everybody that, from my experiences, was really enjoying themselves. Is everybody happy?
3: I said, is everybody happy? I said, is everybody happy I see you.
2: And for all the flaws, that is Bush, meaning just kind of a simplistic rock band. They're they're a watch out live band. Like when they're when they then I've seen them twice, uh, both about that same stretch of time, ninety nine and then probably around two thousand two or three. And uh, when they were their original lineup, and it is a watch out. They are fun, 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 fun live. So at about this time, it's getting pretty late. Meaning I don't know, I don't nine o'clock maybe or something, maybe ten. I'm not sure the exact time frame. But Corn is headlining, and I'm with people who love Corn. Uh, I appreciate corn. I think what they did was uh, very unique in the world of of music, but it never did anything for me. But I could, I I I was there for this. If you know this song, you know where this is going. This is how they opened up the show, the headlining slot on Friday night at Woodstock. Everybody, or most people anyway, are really getting settled in. It's the headliners' time and it's this song Are You Ready is how I don't even remember what the name of it is and as soon as that part hit it was like a like a bomb went off in a good way I mean. (laughs) And that place went ballistic a sea of mostly young people but but Several different ages Up and down Up and down Kind of that European thing The raucous up and down thing Except it was in waves Waves And you could just see throughout from As far as the eye could see Like you're looking at the ocean And you you just see where it just kind of stops You know it doesn't stop But it looks like What if I were mine And you, you, you know that it doesn't stop And it looks like it stops That was the same thing With that corn show and the way that crowd was just like waves of an ocean. And you look back and it's just like, does it ever end? Like, holy hell, how did we get here? Because as you're getting to... To this festival site In a state you've never been in before Especially as a young person Everywhere you go it looks different the next time you come When you sit down and you put your things down Hey I'm going to walk over here I'll be right back You come back and 25 more tents have come up You walk over here and there wasn't that many people when you got here During the daytime to see a show And you stay until the night and you leave and you're like where the hell do I go How do I get to where I'm going And now if that was the worst of our problems We're going to be doing pretty good um, Unfortunately that wasn't the worst of our problems. So I left at that point, I was done. I didn't really like corn that much. I had some smuggled in whiskey in the um in at the campsite and I went back and spent the night there. I don't remember it well, but I know that's what I did. Next day, the the heat was so bad. I I don't re- really remember what I did. I think I just tried to eat and stay hydrated and whatever. I don't know. Um but I do know that night um, I took some acid. I think I've told this story before. I took some acid and lost my mind. Went to Ray, went to Mickey Hart and Planet Drum first, and then walked a mile and a half to go see Rage Against the Machine. And I started having a bad trip. And I was with, uh, with Letitia Wolf at my time, my girlfriend at the time. She's never taken drugs back then. I don't know these days. It's not uh, doesn't matter. But she didn't know what was going on with me, and why I was messed up. And I was just, I was looking around me in the area that Saturday night. Remember I told you before, things felt really good the night before? Things were really feeling good? They weren't feeling good anymore. And um, and the acid didn't help. And um, I, I just said, uh, I got to go. I can't stay here. I started to have like almost a panic attack. And so she was mad and I feel bad about that. But we left and then we went back to the campsite and I could hear uh, the end of rage and Metallica drinking my Canadian mist or whatever I bought. Um, just sitting there and and actually had a pretty nice night. Sunday was a mess. We were trying to get everything together to leave. Um, I don't have a lot of recollection of Sunday other than getting hit with a rainstorm as we were walking our stuff out to our car. You know, whatever. That's not that interesting. But Saturday, though, like I mentioned before, Saturday is where things really started to get dangerous. Things started to really get tense. Um, And it started because of the lineup of the music that day. First of all, Kid Rock was in the middle of the day. And Kid Rock was barely known at that time. That was a breakout show for him. He's a aggressive, you know, rap rocker, no doubt. He's not really uh he ain't damn Limp Biscuit, right? You know, but he's still pretty uh, at that he was pretty aggressive that day. So everything started to really start to build. And uh Wyclef John was in there just to kind of bore people for a minute. Alanis Morissette was uh, at some point that day. And then comes Limp Biscuit. And this is coming back into talking about where words matter and how you approach the powerful position that you're in really matters. And I'm going to kind of bring this back around into the final segment of the show. When you have a powerful position, what you say matters. And that is what happened on this evening. So it's uh, they're having the same time slot that Offspring had the day before, meaning start during the day, end at dusk. So whatever time that is. We'll say 8.30 is when the sun goes down. The show starts at 7.15. And so they start the show when everybody's been getting beat down by the sun. You can see them in the crowd on the pay-per-view coverage. There's terrible sunburn tan lines everywhere. Naked women everywhere, whether they wanted to be or they just needed relief. I don't know from the sunburns they might have had. Naked people, period. Uh, And that's fine. You want to be naked, be naked. But sexual assault is not okay. And you can tell that the crowd is just really anxious after a long night the night before for most everybody. I mean that that corn and bush show felt like it had 200,000 people there alone. This is now coming on Saturday evening. Everybody's tired, everybody's sunburnt, everybody's thirsty, everybody's broke by everybody I mean lots of people. And this set just gets just gets more aggressive and more angry the further it goes. I wasn't there. I wasn't there for this. I've seen it over the years, and I watched it in its entirety the other day. And people are destroying things. I don't know how somebody didn't die. There is constant... uh, 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 You're watching sexual assault on video, on on this pay-per-view. Now, it moves in such a flash, you can't really see what's going on, but you know that something shouldn't be happening, that is. And this is stuff people were just sitting at home watching. We lived in a very different world then than now, and I'm not gonna make a greater point than that right now. So this is um, this is the first clip from Fred Durst, and I don't really remember what it says right now. I'm just saying, describing the day as I get into it, and this is Fred Durst at Woodstock 99.
3: Hey, let me ask you a personal question. How many people here ever woke up one morning and just decided it wasn't one of those days and you're going to break some shit. Well, this is one of them days, y'all, where everything's fucked up. You just want to break some shit. You feel me? Let's feel it. It's just one of those...
2: and of course, the wordsmith it is Fred Durst, but "Break Stuff" is the name of that song. So I don't know. This is just ignorance. I don't know if Fred Durst and uh, and Limp Biscuit back then had shows that were scripted, and they kind of did the same thing every night. I'm not. I don't know. Or if he was actually feeding off the anger that he might have already felt was in the crowd. I'd like to think he. I don't want to give him the credit that he was smart enough to be aware of his, of his surroundings and feed to that. But then again, maybe he is. So I'm t- talking about. Words are important, whether you whether you purposely or even at times maliciously do what you do or whether you just ignorantly do and say what you say. Words are always important. This goes for about two minutes. This is the bridge of the song Break Stuff. This is about 45 minutes into the set. The sun is going down. People have torn off pieces, massive pieces of plywood. I'd say at least a half dozen, maybe even a full dozen, that people are crowd surfing on top of these Plywood, these pieces of plywood, ragged pieces of broken wood that people are just passing around the crowd. I'm not saying hundreds of thousands of people there, but there, I bet there was 80, 90 plus thousand. No way to get relief. The the, the Peace Patrol, as they were called, were spraying water on everybody. everybody. It, it was an exhausting thing to watch. Again, I don't know how anybody didn't die. This is the bridge to the crescendo of the moment of we are going to burn this place down. Well, eventually, anyway, on that Saturday at Woodstock. I'll just kind of talk over it as it goes. If you know this song, well, then you know where it's about to go. Hopefully, you don't really know this song and you never liked this piece of shit, band. Take all that negative energy. All that negative energy. Negative energy? We're at a festival on a Saturday evening. What are you talking about? out
3: of your fucking system.
2: Get it out of your system. You've made a paid 150 bucks to be here. We're supposed to be having fun.
3: You got boss problems. You got job problems. You got a problem with me. You got a problem with yourself. It's time to take all that negative energy and put it the fuck out. You feel me, what's that? Alright, let's bring it out. When this song kicks in, I want you to fucking kick in.
2: All right, here we go. I'm like a chainsaw. I feel like your ass wrong.
3: Just to keep your business. Because right now I'm dangerous.
2: Yeah, the wordsmith that is Fred Durst.
3: You've been treated like shit. All those motherfuckers who wanna step up. I hope you know I'm like a chainsaw. I'll skin your ass wrong.
2: I mean, you can just see the place. It's just about ready to explode. This time in not a good way. Remember when I said the corn thing was, at least it felt good? This doesn't feel good. This feels scary. I mean, it's almost inciting a riot. More on that in a minute. Just such sophisticated music. Just disgusting. I remember when this lineup got released, I was a little disappointed. There was plenty that I wanted to see there, but there was a lot of it that made me uh, just really kind of sick to my stomach. Later on, after that, was Rage Against the Machine. After that, was Metallica. I mean, I love Rage, but Rage isn't going to do anything but other than get people riled up as well. The next day, by that day, everybody's broke. Nobody, you know, who knows what's going to happen after that. And um, it was uh, then that led to the riots on... Sunday, but I I mentioned there it was is that inciting a riot is that was that Fred Durst inciting a riot and is that a felony is that is that against the law I just got to thinking about it because again words matter what you say matter telling a group of people who are already irritated based on the bad conditions they have that they need to destroy the place well I just quick Google searches what is considered inciting a riot. Under United States federal law, a person is guilty of inciting to riot when one urges 10 or more persons to engage in tumultuous and violent conduct of a kind likely to create public harm. Did that sound like that was a definition of that to you? It did to me. And then a quick Google search question. Is inciting a riot a felony? Any person who willfully incites or urges another to engage in a riot and such inciting or urging is a a contributing case of a riot in which there is property damage in excess of $1,500 or serious bodily injury shall be punished as a Class F felon. Excuse me, felony. So, yeah, I would say that would fall into that category. And that was where it started. And between that and the next day, when uh, the the there was a – well, I'll read this piece right now, and I'll wrap this up. I'm going pretty long here. So this is from Brian Hyatt. He covered the uh, the festival back in 1999 for a uh, website at the time, and now this is from Rolling Stone. In Woodstock 99, Kill Rock, fire, misogyny, sewage, and Fred Durst, memories of Woodstock 99. 20 years ago, perhaps not unreasonably – People at Woodstock tore up shit in the wake of a loud, ugly, pointless gathering of fans and bands and rappers and DJs who had nothing in common with each other and no real reason to gather except to enrich the organizers and the people selling them bottles of water in 100 degree heat for four bucks each. By the time they got to Woodstock, it sucked. There was music at Woodstock 99, yeah, and not all of it was bad. I stood in the back of a field and watched an ocean of kids bludgeon each other, sometimes to the point of fracturing bone, as corn unleashed something undeniably undeniably powerful, a sound that seemed apocalyptically new back then and is now vaguely ridiculous, which is how that often goes. Limp biscuit, that was another story. A guy in a baseball cap urging a hu- huge crowd of white people to indulge their worst impulses. What could possibly go wrong? I remember the journey back from the Red Hot Chili Peppers set. I watched its huge fires bloom throughout the field during the performance. Some activist groups handed out cleverly a bunch of peace candles, quote unquote, beforehand. I remember that group. I had a peace candle in my hand at one time. I wish I had it. He goes on to tell about an anecdotal story about trying to get a story in by the deadline. I'll skip. Says later, I went on, excuse me. Later, I went back into the riot, watching a group of kids trying to turn over a tractor trailer. They eventually succeeded, breaking someone's leg in the process. I saw a creepy, silent line of cops in riot gear. I smelled enough ambient pepper spray to make my eyes tear. There was fire everywhere, distant screaming in all directions. It felt like the end of something. It was hard to blame the kids for rebelling against the nihilistic pointlessness of the event. And the blatantly exploitative conditions. But what was inexcusable was the blatant misogyny in the air. The shout of show your tits. The, uh, the casual groping of female crowd surfers. Sexual assaults captured again and again live on pay-per-view. And I'll stop right there and finish it. Only one paragraph left. When I was watching this through YouTube, just go do it. It's happening everywhere. Just guys reaching up and grabbing women's breasts. Just, gra- just grabbing their everywhere. It just throughout the whole the whole thing. It's right there. It's it's live captured on uh live at the time on, on pay-per-view. And I mean, I know it's a little different world then to now, and even though we elect presidents that say out loud that sexually assaulting women is really no big deal, so maybe we're not any better now than we were then. But yeah, it's right there. All you gotta do is just watch it and pay attention. <sighs> All right, we'll finish this off. All that aggression could not stand. Pointless white guy anger revealed itself as insufficient artistic fuel. It was, in all, a weird pre-echo of the future, maybe. Hot and dry and violent and desperate. It hinted at a century of unrest to come. Some of the kids who said F it and burned it all down that weekend no doubt said the same thing and pulled the lever for an obvious con man 17 years later. Referring to the election of Don Trump. The quote-unquote garden of Woodstock 99 was actually a hideous, decommissioned Air Force base baking in the heat. The Woodstock dream proved itself to be nonsense. In this still relatively new century, the country that spawned it is still grappling with the rest of its delusions. really like that. So I'll leave all that right there. Uh, I don't need to spend any more time on that. I've spent 30, almost five minutes at this point. But it is something that I am very happy to have experienced. I think that especially when you're young or really at any age, experience is uh, always better for character building than stuff. Stuff, things, material, items. I mean, I like that too. But experience really is important and that's going to continue on with talking about words matter and other things that matter, like experience, like precedence, like influence, especially amongst impressionable people. Would all those things have happened that Saturday leading into Sunday that were destructive and unlawful because of Fred Durst's words on the stage? Well, we'll never know. But the... The influence of somebody who, especially a lot of people in a mob mentality look up to, is really, really important. And doesn't that sound a little familiar with a certain demagogue we have in this country? If you don't want to get political, you've been warned. It'll be a short segment. You can bail out now. I'll get to more on that and how words really do matter. Coming up next on the Stone on Air podcast, it is a weekly dose for the final day of the month, July 31st, 2019.
3: By the time we got to Woodstock, we
2: were strong. And the side. Start- Stone on air, we'll be right
0: back.
1: Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stone
0: on air This morning, the president attacked another member of Congress on Twitter. This time, it's House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings He wrote this, Cummings District is a disgusting, rat and rodent infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. No human being would want to live there. Donald Trump has tweeted more than 43,000 times. He's insulted thousands of people, many different types of people. The president says about Congressman Cummings District that no human Would want to live there you know who did mr president i did from the day i was brought home from the hospital to the day i left for college and a lot of people i care about still do there are challenges no doubt but people are proud of their community i don't want to sound self-righteous but people get up and go to work there they care for their families there They love their children who pledge allegiance to the flag, just like people who live in districts of congressmen who support you, sir. They are Americans too.
2: I didn't catch that dude's name. He was a commentary uh, guy, or maybe he has his own show on CNN. I don't know. I don't have cable anymore, so I don't watch any of the uh, late night news channels anymore, and I'm happy about that. Be someone, be someone. Um, part of the reason I went through my uh, uh, Twitter to clean it up was I was, they're now showing you, like, hey, so and so liked this, or so and so friended this, or whatever the hell the terminology is. And I was getting so sick of seeing garbage that I didn't want to be following. And so I consistently see Don Trump's tweets in my feed because, hey, so and so liked it. All right, then you're, I mean, I'm not trying to create a bubble to where I don't see any of the uh, opposing views. I just don't I don't follow Don Trump. I don't need to see his tweets. And if something he puts out there is super outrageous, then somebody I do follow and care about will retweet it. But I'm not talking about retweets. I'm talking about, oh, Joe Blow over here liked something. So now all of a sudden I have to see it. And so I had to clean that up. I really don't give two shits what the president does or doesn't tweet. I really don't. But I will not go back from the point I've been trying to make that words do matter. Leadership matters. Precedence matters. Experience matters. Influence matters. And emboldening people who have no clue what's going on in their life to be matter-of-fact on everything they do matters. And that can be true on, on different levels of uh, of leadership, and, the, and their constituents because constantly people you know talk about how stupid politicians are bro brah they're not dumb these politicians are not dumb they're not even kind of dumb their constituents are bleeping idiots so they play the game go live you know stoop down to their constituents you know brain damage level and then that's how they operate I I not I think that Donald Trump has a little bit of a mental condition as, as older age now, and is really acting very, very oddly and strangely. But I don't think he's a dumb guy. But I think his hardcore supporters are absolute bleeping idiots. And I don't think anybody who listens to me is a hardcore supporter. And if you are, I'm sorry. If you don't want to listen anymore, then don't. It's all good. I'm not mad at you. This isn't about Republicans and Democrats. I don't care. I told you I did. I did the whole show about f the senator, f the president. F the congressman. I don't care about any of them. They're not public servants. We we built this this shit up for the last like hundred years or however long, maybe the entire length of the of the history of the country about how these people are important, how they're supposed to be uh, they're supposed to be so you got to respect it. No, you don't. This is a power struggle. This isn't about the the, the better good. This isn't about uh, accomplishments. Uh, not not accomplishments that help people outside of I mean I know some people are good natured and, and 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 genuinely do try to help but not really not on a whole not overall not at all and what you say matters and having an entire generation grow up cuz you I mean a generation grows up fast in 4 to 8 years you know you're 10 years old when somebody's elected you're 18 when they go out of office that is growing up with a mouthpiece that is growing up with setting precedents that's that is 8 years of influence all that stuff matters, and so when you got a, a a moron like Trump doing his thing, that is important. His words matter. Now, if you're a thirty-something, forty-something white guy like I am, and you feel good about the money you make, and your stocks look good, and your retirement's in a pretty good spot, and and your thoughts are, oh, you know, hey, whatever, it's just just ignore it. It doesn't matter. I'm good. Okay, well, you're not wrong. You are good. But what about everybody else? What about all these other people? What about all the other socioeconomical st- statuses and situations in the country? I don't even know what the hell the president is talking about. Baltimore and uh, Rep, whatever his name, it slips in my head right now. I don't even know what that is. I'm, I'm not even paying attention to it. But it it's just another example that words absolutely matter. And experience and influence and precedence are so important, especially when you're in front of of impressionable people and children are especially that way but certainly just numb nuts walking around oh hey well it's okay for him to do this i guess it's okay for me it's creating cultural change that i don't like what i see and yeah okay the economy's good fine is this all about money that's all anything is right it's all about money i mean money's a very important part of my life because it has to be but uh words absolutely matter and I just grabbed this real quick and I'll wrap up the show. Um, I don't know what the meaning the country's going to hell when um, we're supposedly in a Christian nation, which we're really not. A majority of the country is not Christian whatsoever. And certainly our president isn't. So I don't know what going to hell means, but Trump sure likes to tell everybody that that's what's been happening, at least as he was trying to become president anyway.
1: Look. The country is going to hell in a handbasket. We have a country that's going to hell. In the meantime, our country is going to hell. 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 Our military is going to hell. Our infrastructure is going to hell. Our country is going to hell. And then you wonder why we're going to hell. That's why we're going to hell. So what are the many reasons our country is going to hell? Ding, 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 ding. You know, our country is going
2: to hell. Our country is going to hell. Words matter. Influence matter. Leadership matters. Foolish country. We're a dumb country. How
1: stupid are the people of the country? The weak and very stupid country. Very, very stupid laws that we have. I love the Chinese people, but they laugh themselves. They can't believe how stupid the American leadership is. Mexico laughs at us. They can't believe how stupid we are. We're laughed at all over the world. We're the laughing stock of the world. We're not a respected country anymore. We don't win. Our
2: country doesn't win.
1: We're not great now.
2: Except for his motivation is nowhere near where I would be uh, in any kind of agreement. He's not entirely wrong. Most. Average numbnut asshole walking around is stupid as hell in this country, and I'll get out of here after this. Words matter, influence matter, leadership matters. The role you're in and the power that you have matters.
1: Our infrastructure is terrible. Our roads, our bridges, our tunnels, our schools, our hospitals. Uh, they're uh, we're like a third. We're becoming like a third world country. We're becoming a third world country. Our country is becoming a third world country. We've become like a third world country. We are like, in many cases, a third world country. This is like a third world country, folks. Honestly, it's like we're a third world country. I mean, our country's like a third world country. It's like we're in a third world country. We are like a third world country. We're literally like a third world country. We've become a third world country. We have become a third world country folks. We're now a third world country. Our airports are worse than third world. We're dying. This country is dying. Sadly,
2: the American dream is dead. Leave it to a bunch of predominantly white people, middle class and upper class, maybe even some of the lower as well, to take things like that and apply it to their life somehow. In an area of the world where we live like kings compared to the majority of the rest of the world, words matter. Your influence matters. The leadership role that you have matters in any setting that you're in. If all somebody cares about is their bank account and their 401k and their investments, then I guess this administration so far is going along good enough anyway. And while at the very nature of my core, I am a libertarian, I do hope to think, wish to think that life is a little bit more substantive than that that there's a little bit more than just how much money we have and just how much money we're going to retire with, and we actually kind of care about other people around us. Just a little bit. You know, just just like like a tiny percentage of our lives. That's all I got. I got to go. I've gone, uh, gone pretty long today. I enjoyed it. I hope you have as well, and we'll do it again the first Wednesday of August. All right? Y'all have a great week, and uh, at Stone on Air on all social media. Y'all take care. See ya. Bye. <laughs>